of the TFON podcast back for our 29th podcast and we have a special guest with us today if you guys follow the Bearcat Nation anywhere in the sports if you follow him on Twitter at Bearcat Radio everybody knows this man as B Fox Brian Fox what's up uh, how's it going see, not too bad uh Bearcat yeah. Sports Radio he's in the he's in the flesh with me man I got him. I'm here. I'm talking. I'm saying some things. I'm excited to say some things about various things. Sports. We're going to talk sports. Um, maybe life. Maybe the maybe the mortgage hustle. Yeah, that's You're cool. You're out there hustling cool. that. Yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Trying to make it happen, I'm happy man. To, you got to. You got to. That's the John Brandon way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 you got to make it happen, John Brandon way. Got to, You got a maniacal commitment to making it happen. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta go over, over and above, above and beyond, right? How about that? No doubt, no doubt. Sure, man. Speaking of that, man, let's, let's get into it, man. You, you, I'm gonna give you props, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you your flowers now, because a lot of people, you know, do it because no, I don't get them enough. I don't get them enough. Now I'm about people to hook you up, man. I'm gonna do props. it. I can say when let's I'm wrong. Like I, I, I said it on multiple pods. I said I thought John was a good hire. And when it happened, I thought it was a quick hire. I didn't think they did they vetted it right, but I thought he still was a good hire. But I was totally wrong. Yokes on my face. But as a grown man, I can eat it. But you were one of the first people that I saw to really voice your opinion. You saw through a lot of the smoke and fog that a lot of the media had in front of them. And I'll give you your props for that, man. How did you know that it wasn't? what everybody seems like a person like myself i'm like hey we did it nku cool i knew a few kids that he's recruiting at nku that he couldn't get because it was nku so I'm, I'm like hey he's gonna be at uc he's gonna get these kids and he did get kids in but he couldn't keep them so that was a big red flag but at the same time you saw through it early man so so how did you yeah. see it let us let us know let bearcat nation know how yeah. you were able to see through the fall so there were a number of uh way stations on the way to me r- arriving at uh, John Brandon is is crazy highway. And I will say uh, the first one was um, when he arrived, I thought uh, he, I didn't think that he had a, a personality that could that could carry a room. Like, he's just a little strange interpersonally, a little rigid, a little um, just, you know, kind of kind of weird. And so I saw him, I'm like, how can a guy, you know, the, the task of coaching basketball is not as complex as a lot of basketball coaches like to make it out. So really your job is you coach the personnel in front of you or you go get better personnel, right? And to go get better personnel, you got to be able to sell. So you got to be able to walk into anybody's living room and, and make them feel uh, the warm embrace of your personality. The, you're telling 18-year-olds, I want you to move to Cincinnati and play basketball for me because we're going to have fun together. What is fun about his persona? And I, I will say not a whole lot. Okay, so that was the first That was the first kind of yellow flag, hey, something may not be right. Okay, First flag, boom. First one. The second yellow flag or way station, I'm mixing metaphors, but we'll just go with it. It's all good. Yeah. The second (laughs) yellow flag 
was um, was when you know he he uh, his first season he's got an insanely talented roster, right? Yeah, he's got he's got Jaron Cumberland, returning conference player of the year. He's got Trey Scott, who is a, a was a miracle of a basketball player, like one of those guys who's long, um, could like sprint an entire 40 minutes of a game and give you everything he's got quick to the rim. Like we just had pieces in place to be competitive immediately. Uh, transition be damned. He had <laughs> what it takes to win. Like I, I, I feel like I could have not coached a single practice and just showed up at games with that team and won 20 games. Okay. <laughs> but instead what happens is he nerfs Cumberland for most of the season. Um, and then by the time Cumberland kind of finally gets into the groove and him realizing that he's got one of the premier ISO players in, in the college basketball game, and it's too late, right? <laughs> yeah. It's too late. So that was the second yellow flag for me. Um, the I would say the third yellow flag for me was the home loss at you know the home loss to USF. Yes, I this. I that game drove me absolutely up a wall because I'm watching a USF team and 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 the press was so rallying to want to believe in John Brandon, the local boy, local John from Northern Kentucky. <laughs> They were, they were doing everything out of their, you know, everything possible to try to see what was very clearly an underprepared team with terrible scouting, with no good in-game adjustments, and just an absolute, like, awful effort on the court. And everybody was just bending their eyes to try to see something that just wasn't there. And I kept hearing people talk, oh, he's a system coach, and you got to let give him time to let his system be installed. And and look, man, the bat I I've the coaching basketball is so much different than coaching football. Football, you got eleven players in the field, offense, defense, you got special teams. There's a lot more moving parts to the game of football than there is to the game of basketball. Yeah, um, that's why John Calipari has been pretty successful. OK, yeah, not the not the uh, he's not a Rhodes Scholar, but he can coach basketball. Yes, yeah, true. Um, true. Yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, Bob Huggins, same way. Bob Huggins, yeah. not not a, uh, a chemical equations kind of guy, not splitting <laughs> atoms, but fantastic basketball coach. Right. Yeah. Because when you boil it down to it, I mean, there is no complex system. And if if after a, a season or well into your season and you, and you had summer to prepare, if your team can't install your system, well, well, then maybe your algebraic system isn't good. Maybe it's <laughs> too complex and it's silly. Yeah, right. Anyways, yeah. so that was my that was my third yellow flag was the South Florida game. Okay, and then and then my fourth yellow flag uh, was the massive departures. Okay, and yeah, yeah, and I knew they were coming, and that was like February. Um, I'd been tipped off that a number of players were shopping this summer. Yeah. Trying to shop kind of a package transfer deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a pre John Brandon fire sale 
kind of inventory clearance yeah. move. Yeah. And, and so I, I knew that that was happening. And, and um, so I got tipped off about that. And then come February, when I started to see players opt out and I started, you know, uh, some messages were hitting the DMS that were kind of saying, Hey, this guy's not just a bad coach. Um, you know, but maybe he's, he's actually like kind of, uh, too hard on his players i started to, to catch wind of that and that is what really kind of made me tune in and focus like hey if, if it you know john brandon is he's a multimillionaire, right he's paid millions yeah. of dollars to coach a basketball team and you know he's he's got all these relationships with people in the press that he can use to try to monopolize the the subject matter he can try to you know, go, he can talk to Lance who had a soft heart for him and, um, and he could just go to all these people that he knew because they were familiar with him at NKU. And so now he's at UC and, um, and for whatever reason, the press loves to villainize, you know, the university of Cincinnati athletic department and the university itself. I don't know where that comes from, but it pisses me off every single time. <laughs> they never get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and true. so John Brandon can go to those folks and he can radicalize them with his, you know, he, he can actually be somewhat warm to them, I guess, enough to convince them that the players are too soft or, you know, this never happened at prior universities. Yeah. So why is this just all of a sudden happening here? Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's yeah. them uh, kind of a thing. And, and so, yeah, it, when February hit, I was so far off the John Brandon bandwagon that I was done muzzling it. And I was actually concerned about players. Yeah. Uh, I started thinking about student welfare. I started thinking about these uncompensated student athletes. I started thinking about the moms and dads uh, that sent these kids off as, you know, an exciting opportunity for their kid and their family to bond to the university of Cincinnati who entrusted their kids into the care of this grown man who's paid millions of dollars to win basketball games. And it, it really bothered me. So I started to, uh, some might've said that I went nuclear. In fact, some did say that. Um, and I just started being really critical because it, yeah. it pissed me off and it concerned me and it bothered me. Um, and I was worried. I was worried. And, and I, I didn't have like 16 data points to confirm that my worry was, you know, reasonable and warranted. Yeah. But I, I had, I had a few that were like, okay, yeah, there's enough here, and these are, these are either original sources, players departing, or, you know, uh, folks who are really uh, dialed in that that uh, stood did not stand to benefit by sharing. And it's like, okay, something's up. Yeah. So those were my four way stations on the, on the uh, highway to, Hey, maybe John Brandon's crazy. Uh, yeah. Or we can call him four yellow, B Fox's four yellow flags. Okay. So you have the B Fox four yellow flags. So that's, that was, I mean, it's real important to what, what's going on, man. Cause you were the one that hit it the nail on the head, man. Cause I mean, when it, when this stuff hit the fan, the proverbial backs dung cow dung hit the fan um yes you were you were right there like with all the info that essentially started being prominent you know what I mean so you know I I know I had a solid amount of info but I know I didn't get it as early as you because I mean I understand like where once I started getting more info I'm like wow this is a serious situation this is deeper than just people transferring um or them those kids being sucked 
labeled as you know soft um and 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 that that whole description as players being soft pissed me off too because um you know i i've i've been around a lot of division athletes division one athletes in my life and you know uh, typically and and this was certainly the case at the university of cincinnati our basketball team might be like the most incredible group of you know physical athletes at the entire university right you've got you got to be you've got to be tall enough to not you know have your shot thrown across the court every time (laughs) you know you've got to be strong (laughs) enough to go grab rebounds and you've got to have cardiovascular fitness to run 40 minutes at a time so you know unless you're tractor trailer uh or some you know really heavy heavy set big bone as we used to say uh, in my family big bone basketball player um (laughs) that's right thick thick um Um, husky husky. unless you're like yeah yeah but like that's such a that's a rarity you know and you only typically see that in the power forward position um but you know that so i was just like hearing these players are soft like if these guys are a lot of things, but soft isn't one of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and coach Winsprint, yeah, you know, out there with his clipboard <laughs> and whistle, like, give me a break. Give me a break. <laughs> nice. Nice. Should coach be coaching Winsprint. track. He should be coaching track and field. He's yeah, in the he, wrong sport. You might be right on that, man. I, I definitely, I know I was burnt on that. <laughs> I'm like, dang, this is crazy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this is crazy. Super crazy. Like then the, the urn, Earn. So what's that? Was like was he an Undertaker fan? Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Are you hip to you watch well, all the WWE? <laughs> uh my my boys do. My boys love that. Um, I grew up. Here's a story. I don't think I've ever told this. Um <laughs> this is an exclusive wrestling world world wrestling federation story. So when I was a, a, a mere boy, um I used to get like my mom through some friend had like a weird hookup to get tickets to wrestling (laughs) events and i was uh i was sitting front row at one of these events and i got licked on the head by the bushwhackers uh hacksaw jim duggan uh hacksaw jim duggan handed me his two by four which sounds really inappropriate but that it wasn't that you know it was the actual uh you know thing and then and then to make matters weirder um, after the event, we knew where they all ate because they, they, they don't eat all day cause they don't want to throw up in the ring. Oh yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And so they would all go to this place called Jojo's in the South side of Indianapolis. And we would go after the event and we would eat with them, like not sit at their table, but we would sit at yeah. a table and eat. Then, and, and you'd look over and you'd see like, you know, Hey, there's scary Sherry. It was this old, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember scary Sherry? Yeah, I remember scary Sherry. Yeah, okay. Um, and then Hacksaw Jim Duggan was there, and it turns out Hacksaw Jim Duggan has very bad eyesight. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I saw his, his glasses. He had a really thick uh, prescription, so he must be out there blind as a bat if he didn't have contacts. That's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. That's crazy. Learn something every day, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So at, with, But the urn, yeah. The urn, yeah. man. The urn. The, the urn, urn. Yeah. The urn was nuts. That, that was a, I, you know, here, here's the deal. Um, and I think this is an underappreciated aspect of John Brandon's psyche. It, 
it's that he he is a little creepy at times right creepy is creepy might be too harsh he's very rigid um very rigid and not super buttoned up not super comfortable interpersonally yeah um and it came through by the way when he tried to be kind of fun john yeah um it never worked fun john never worked like (laughs) camp counselor fun john doing tiktoks like i get it i know what you're trying to do john but that ain't you you know that (laughs) that that was not you um and so I think an underappreciated aspect of John Brandon's personality be, beyond the introversion is that um, I don't think he had a lot of terribly original ideas. So the urn was, from what I've gathered, that was a Chris Mack tactic that he employed at Xavier. And he would do that with his teams. So it was like, of course, that's what happened, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris Mack did the the L schedule thing with UK remember yeah, where he did yeah. that video and then John Brannon uh, wrote a, a check with his mouth that, that uh, our Bearcat asses couldn't cash yeah we couldn't cash um, by doing the whole Xavier scheduling thing too yeah. just just like his buddy Chris did and this earned thing I think was was a Chris Mack idea mm. and um, this this I think is is maybe one of the most telling aspects of why John Brandon was not fit for the university of Cincinnati. If you think that a corny coach tactic like that is going to work on anybody, it's definitely not going to work on Jaron Cumberland. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, Head, super headstrong dude. <laughs> super headstrong. Like, like laid back the way you motivate a guy like Jared Cumberland is not by like some sort of cheesy theatrical, let me burn your stats moment. Yeah. You can, you can maybe, you know, you can get him going with uh, your interpersonal relationship with him, him feeling like you're his friend and you care enough about him that he's going to go out of his way to be helpful, which is what Mick did. Yeah. Right. Mick built that equity for sure relationship and yeah he had that equity that 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 you know jaron would give him his you know give him his all and jaron also gets a bad he always got a bad rap because of his body language yeah 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 for and, sure and and sure. but his and i even I, I talked to uh an nba scout friend of mine about jaron and he he mentioned that i'm like here's the thing about jaron like just because it looks like he's annoyed to be out there, it doesn't mean he actually is. Yeah, like some yeah. people have just different countenances on their face, yeah, or or their body language looks a certain way, and yet they are fully dialed in. Yeah, you sure. know, like like Edger and James when he used to run when he's a running back and he played at Miami. I used to love watching him play, and one of the reasons I I enjoyed it is because it always looked like he was laid back. He had like a, yeah. he had a, he, he did have like a hyperdrive gear where you could tell he was running as fast as he can, but his like kind of laid back seeing the field gear was fast as hell. But at the same time, it didn't, it looked like he was not trying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah that's some athletes are like that, but yeah. yeah so I, I look at the urn and it's like, that is, um, it's just cheesy. It's a cheesy coach tactic. I don't think it's creepy. I mean, it's creepy coming from him, 
<laughs> but uh, maybe because it's a little too he there was a bit of a funeral director vibe I think but anyways yeah I can see, I can see that so see yeah that. maybe a little creepy but I, it was mostly just a dumb coach you know corny coach tactic that backfired because he couldn't read the room enough to realize what motivates Jaron yeah that makes sense definitely makes sense it's accurate so with what's going on and then, you know two months ago everybody was kind of like we got these freshmen then they all went to the portal then a couple of them came back then they actually fired john brandon so we're going to talk about west miller we're going to go on the west miller uh train by the end but i want to say the um i feel like john cunningham took a lot of flack getting to this point and yes. you being on the you having a legal background um I know it's a lot of red tape, but you know, John, he can't come out and just say, Hey, we knew all this stuff. We were trying to get it done. X, Y, Z. Um, how, how do you think he handled it? Cause I feel like some, I know a lot of Bearcat fans kind of feel like he mishandled it, but then he's handled the hiring of us Miller correctly. How do you think the process in general, now that we've gotten to this point, how do you think he, he did per se? <clears throat> okay. Uh, I'll throw out a, a couple phrases um source source bias and confirmation bias okay um i'll start with confirmation bias there are some people who think that oh johnny from northern kentucky (laughs) does no wrong okay and and no matter what you do they're gonna they're gonna hear read if they can everything through the same prism of John does no wrong. And these kids are soft these days. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, and there's a whole lot of those folks. Some of those folks have, uh, have talk radio gigs in the city. Yeah. So, so that is out there. <laughs> there are those folks who have confirmation bias. And so any little tidbit of news that they can find that they can kind of tuck into their arsenal of arguments to make against John Cunningham and the university of Cincinnati, they do that. I don't know why that is. It's just the way people are, I think. Yeah. And then, you know, source bias is also a big factor, right? And yeah. and folks can say very objectively reasonable things, things that are warranted by the facts that are out there. And no matter what, because it comes from that source, they'll either they'll either gravitate toward it or they'll reject it entirely. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, and so I know a lot of people who who you know, their first call, you know, or they were just ready to open arms, embrace Tom Mars. And, you know, I thought Tom Mars, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the industry, right. I'm I'm an attorney. So when I see a lawyer throwing haymakers on Twitter Mm -hmm. and they're not doing what I'm doing, which is, you know, goofing around and, and, and being funny. Yeah. yeah. They're actually talking about their cases. That's not good for the client. Not at all. Right. Not at all. And if you don't, and if you notice a lot of Tom Mars's ex clients don't work as coaches anymore, but that's neither here nor there. Um, You know, the fact (laughs) that he was out there lobbing haymakers gave folks who struggle with confirmation bias and source bias, just little tidbits that they could tuck into their arsenal to say, well, the university of Cincinnati is not being fair. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a number of, of media professionals who we know and love who yeah. may have been a little too close to the situation, may have had too long of a relationship with, with the, the old Johnny boy from Northern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they, they contributed to the haze of, hey, you know, uh, maybe the university is not handling this well. And mm-hmm. I kept hearing that constant refrain, the university didn't handle this well. Yeah. Well, as as more and more facts have come out, it's like, how could they not have handled this better? Um, you know, it's what John Cunningham did is is very impressive. That dude is an operator. OK, let's that guy. He he took all of these online local media bashings. And he said not a word. Yep. What he did was quietly build his case against John Brandon in order to protect the financial resources of the University of Cincinnati and the taxpayers of Ohio, such that he pretty much cut out every leg that John Brandon would have had to stand on to argue that he was he was not fired for cause. Mm. I mean, if you look at the yeah. contract, yeah. the contract had I want to say seven or eight different independent um, justifications for a four cause termination. Mm. Most recently um, the press has talked about the NCAA violation component. One of the independent grounds, and you don't need, by the way, all seven or eight of them. You just need one of them. Okay. Ah. And, and it's 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 written in the disjunctive, as we say in the legal business or in grammatical nerd circles. So you know the it's or it's not and. So you don't need all of them. It's or any of these. Mm. Uh, and so like one of them is if you know you conduct your program in such a way that the University of Cincinnati has to report an NCAA it has to self self report an NCAA infraction. And the NCAA infraction, as you probably know, is that John Brannon paid for a counselor out of his own pocket. Mm-hmm. All right. That's that is the focus yeah. of the NCAA component of the whole picture. It's a whole picture. Now, a lot of people I've seen on social media, particularly Facebook, which is just a sewer <laughs> of bad ideas and 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 not bright people it's like yeah the book (laughs) of faces um those people i saw after that article was released where they were talking about the ncaa infraction component i saw people who were saying things like all he did was the right thing here to try to pay for this young man out of his own pocket and I can't believe that he got fired for that. It's like, no, 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 no. You silly rube. He didn't get fired for just that. He got fired for like 16 different things. Okay. You can, you can put that one item under the microscope. Yeah. And that's fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. But trust me, it sure as heck seems like, You've got enough circumstances, enough documentation of how he conducted the program, how he treated his student athletes, how he moved schedules and exasperated his players physically, 
put their health at risk. Yeah. Those allegations alone, if proven, and I <laughs> have a strong hunch that they could be proven, those are enough. If you yeah. get any of those independent justifications for a forecast termination, that's enough. Yeah. And so John Cunningham, rather than responding to each news cycle, rather than listening to uh, the local media was saying he's got to say something, he's got to get out there and do something. And why are they treating John Brandon this way? He just quietly built his case, knowing that leverage was on his side and the yeah. facts were on his side. And for that, I salute John Cunningham because real G's move in silence. Hey, lasagna. That's right. <laughs> but uh, he definitely, definitely did his thing. So I was, because that's what I kept telling people, like, not like on Twitter. I mean, on Twitter, I'm talking to people. I'm like, look, man, honestly, like him not talking, like he, he got something. Like that's before I knew like the hammer was coming or whatnot. I was like, man, dude got something. Cause he's not saying anything. Like when all this stuff started happening, I was like, when they all left and then some other stuff start rumbling, I was like, and then it all happened so fast. And then when he didn't say like, hey, you know, normally what's the PR thing to say? I have XYZ's back in this situation, right? When you're really, yep. he didn't, that never came out. We never got that press release, you know, so, and boom, this happened. So, um, and if, and if John, here's the thing, this is, um, you know, John Brandon is, he's bad at reading rooms. Yeah. Right. He was bad at reading the room when Jaron Cumberland was in his office. He was very bad at reading the locker room. I mean, my God, at the end of the season, he talked about these guys that he was going to build a program on and they all left. True. So, True. Um, and, and he was bad apparently at reading uh, family rooms because he had no recruits signed up to play. So he is the king of not reading a room. And he also failed to read the online room. And if he had been discreet, been thoughtful, maybe, maybe, engaged in some actual self-reflection about some of the things that happened, some of the allegations that were out there yeah. that he was well, well aware of. Yeah. I can't believe now in hindsight, after all of this has come to light that he thought he was negotiating from a, you know, place of strength. I, and I, I wonder what his conversations with his attorney were. And I wonder if he clued Tom Mars into all this, or if, if, you know, sometimes, you know, a, a lawyer has only as good as of a case as his client will tell him about. Yeah. I always wondered that like, um, silently is, I mean, everybody know he, he would, you know, type of person that Brandon was, but it was like, if you knew they had all these bombs lined up for you, it's like, you got, you got these nukes pointing at your face and you can get 2 million to go away or whatever. I don't know what they offered him. You know what I mean? But I'm pretty sure I know they didn't offer him the whole 5 million or 4.5, et cetera. But what if they said, Hey, I'm gonna give you a million dollars to just get out of our faces. We won't make this a big thing, whatever. He didn't take it. It was like, I don't know what he, yeah. Like, I don't understand where, where he was coming from mentally or financially, even that. Cause he, he knew they had to, he had to know they had these this act these accusations. He had to know these young men like he couldn't read the room. You say he couldn't read the room, right? We know that he couldn't read the room because he got six people on the portal soon as the soon as the season ended. Um, yep. And that's like record 
pay, especially at UC. I mean, I know it's a different time because it's easier to transfer, but still, you recruited all the people. I think only one person he didn't recruit. So that's just like a different, you know, aspect to look at it. If it was mixed guys, okay, boom, they tried to go a year or two and it didn't work or they're out. But those guys that you recruited and you couldn't keep them there, that was a big, that's when I was like, oh, let me, something is going on. But, um, like, I don't understand, like, how he could have thought not to take whatever they offered him, whatever package, severance package they gave him for him to be like, you know what, I'm going to fight for all of it. Like, but that shows maybe how jaded he was with the whole situation, even coming into this year. Yeah, I think. Well, and I think um, he uh, players leaving was not new to him. People left NKU. Yeah, like, that's true. While, while, while he was at NKU, he had a lot of guys transfer out. That's true. Um, and, and I, I just think he was not a great guy to play for despite yeah. what like one player, that one guy he's got out there is, yeah. is, you know, line of a defender and drew McDonald, like, okay, <laughs> great. You know, like I was, you know, to me, that was very telling the, the local media landscape, the local sports media landscape that you had, um, you know, Justin Williams, who was able to. Uh, I think impressively get Jaron Cumberland to go on the record. Jaron, yeah. as you know, us being in that press room, he doesn't he doesn't share anything. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta track him down. You have to <laughs> track Jaron yeah. down. So when I saw that, I was like, dang, yeah, like that's legit. So he like, got he got like an insul- insular iconic University of Cincinnati basketball player. Yeah, to go on the record and share, hey, this is what it was like for me, and this is what I saw. And instead of the local media, sports, local sports media apparatus going, okay, wow, that's great reporting. Let's talk to some players at the University of Cincinnati and see what their experience was. Instead, they call like the one player from NKU who's out there defending John Brandon to the death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's <laughs> like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with Drew, Drew McDonald. I'm sure no. his experience – was, was great play. Yeah, it was different playing yeah, for sure. John Brand. He had an okay career, you know, playing yeah. down there. But you know, he he wasn't. It's not like Drew McDonald was a highly rated recruit who chose to play for John Brand at NKU and had, you know, limitless options. Yeah, he was an unranked recruit who his option to play Division One basketball is at Northern Kentucky University. Yeah. Okay. Like, and and the fact that the you know, local media was like clamoring to have him share his thoughts. It's like, I don't, you know, bring it, bring John Brandon's scout master on, you know, let's, let's talk about how John Brandon was as a boy scout. Let's talk about, you know, let's talk about how John Brandon was in college. And it's like, dude, I don't care what John Brandon was like as, as a, in sixth grade. I don't care what he was like in college on dates. I care about who he was when he was the head coach of, uh, the University of Cincinnati Bearcats basketball program, yeah. when he's out there in a in a in a flight suit uh, with a whistle and a clipboard, and he's and he's just like telling players to run wind sprints until they puke down their chest yeah. and cheering about it. Yeah. That's what I care about. That's my concern. My concern is when he looks like looks at a guy like Bob Mangine, who's trying to protect some uncompensated student athlete, yeah. and he t- and, and and a guy in Bob Mangine who who tragically lost his grandson the summer before, and he's trying to tell you know guys like that you know to you're you're overdoing this protective stuff. 
Yeah. Like, like give me a break. Like, I don't care what Drew McDonald thinks. I care that that Prince Toyambi almost, uh, you know, died. And absent Bob Mangine and absent medical intervention, it could have died during one of John Brandon's practices. That's what I, that's what bothers me. That's what pisses me off is when yeah. Prince's wife has to say, "No, this is this is what happened." Yeah, and and I gotta say, that's the kind of you know, uh, that's what I was hearing, and that's yeah. what was like the chief cause of concern is like something's up here. We got a weird guy. We got players leaving in droves. We got no no recruits. Yeah. Um, we got we got the we got a classic bad room reader here. Yeah, yeah. Can't argue that, man. Yeah, so that's that's the main reason I had got you on here, man. You were on it ASAP. I'm gonna keep saying it, man. You were on it, you read it. I had people that I had other people hit me up though, like that weren't that aren't a part of the beat. And they were like, Man, something's off. Like I can't put my finger on it. And he was like, man, it's almost like they're playing for themselves. And I was like, and it was, might have been in like when they first came back. Like they first came back. Yep. And I was like, man, they're, I think they're playing for themselves, man. Like you could just tell the interaction is real weird. And I was like, uh, you know, I just, you know, trying to look at the positive. So I'm always a glass half full guy. But uh, everybody else is thinking half empty. Most people, I talk to a lot of people off the ledge, man. So I feel bad on, on my <laughs> end. Cause I'm just like, look. But I, I look. I'm gonna say this. I'll say this just to be on the record. We know the university doesn't have just a, a surplus of funds just sitting around right now, right? Because you know we're in the AAC, which while it's not the bottom of the barrel, it's not a P5. And if we get into P5, that would definitely make the athletic department do backflips. Um, we know that. So I'm like, hey, I knew this, but I didn't know it was at the point of where he was just kind of just like this wild mad man, but you can kind of see it hindsight 2020. And then um, I'm like, we can't afford to pay this guy off. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you can't afford to give him five million to go away and then hire a new coach and then still, still take care of fickle. Right. Like fickle got this stuff going on with, you know, with, you know, they promised him about, you know, that they already started on. Right. I think they haven't started on doing some new stuff with the, uh, locker rooms and all that good stuff yeah. about to yeah so like you got that going on you know fickle has definitely earned the right to get this stuff done for the program um so i'm like dude they don't have the money to fire this guy so it's like i said only, i was like the only way they can do this unless they have a smoking gun which john cunningham honestly obviously got or they have smoking to or smoking guns smoking guns plural, plural right <laughs> yeah. and then um uh, and then like you have to have that which at the time I didn't know if he had or not. And then, um, you, or you have to pay him like Bobby Bonilla. I'm like, you have to pay him like, hey, dude, you got to go. Away. I'll give you a quarter million dollars a year until this goes away. Maybe the first year I'll sweeten it up and give you a half a million. But you're going to get paid from us until it's gone. Unless we magically come into some extra dough. All right, we'll give it to you. But if what, 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 the way our finances are right now, we have to Bobby Bonilla you. You know what I mean? So we can get you out of the program. You're obviously, once the stuff starts coming out, you obviously knew he wasn't going to be able to recruit here anymore. Wasn't going to be able to work. So, you know, the writing's on the wall. But if, it, if they didn't have the the smoking guns, I feel like the only way they was going to happen where they were going to have to just play, they were going to slow ball them on the pay. And that was like what I was telling people. I'm like, it can happen, but 
you know, we don't have the money just to shell out to give somebody five million to go away or four point five right now. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and and, you know. Another piece of all of this for me was the desperation I noticed from a lot of a lot of folks. Um, the fan base in particular, whenever a player would say something, um, you know, in responding to a press inquiry or whatever, they would say something that was like positive about the University of Cincinnati. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True, and, true, true. and people would take that and they would just like run with it. Like, oh, you know, people would try to dunk on me online. Oh, yeah. This sounds like somebody who's transferring. Yeah, and they did. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> it was like always you know like a generic positive statement and i'm just i'm sitting there reading the statement from the player going how do you hear that from a 19 year old kid 19 year old player or i guess they're grown-ups at that point but how do you hear that from a 19 year old think about who you were at 19 think about who i was at 19 i think about it and i'm like you know I, i didn't Man, I didn't have it together. Not like it together that. at nineteen. Yeah, not to make a like, press release. Like, yeah, make a, at nineteen, you're gonna say, person. yeah, you're at nineteen, you're gonna say, basically, like what you think people want to hear. Yeah, right. Definitely. You're and gonna mold like, it for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna mold it to the audience. Like, oh, you know, I'm talking to Cincinnati Press here. Yeah, I'm gonna say something generically positive about UC or the city of Cincinnati or proud to be a Bearcat or, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, but that doesn't well, mean fine. anything. It, like people True. change their minds too. Oh, yeah, like yeah, people yeah. would like, they would take a statement made by a player and be like, Oh, there's no way that guy's going to leave. I'm like, yes, yes way. <laughs> yes way. <laughs> like we are human beings. True. Human beings fundamentally make decisions based on opportunities. True. Most of the crimes we commit are crimes of opportunity. Yeah. Just like, just like the 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 decision to transfer is dependent upon who's asking you to transfer, that, that right? So, so if you're a player and like, and you and you know this, like recruiting is a lot about filling holes and spots. Yeah. yeah. So if if you know you may be a fantastic point guard, but if like they've got you know two juniors who are dominant point guards, well, you're gonna you're gonna get less reps there, and you're gonna get more playing time at another program. Yeah. So it doesn't benefit you to to go to that place and that place isn't going to reach out to you. But sometimes the stars align and, and and a significant program will reach out to a guy because they meet a need that they have at that time. Yeah. Given the state of play and the uh, affairs of their program. Yeah. And and so, yeah, a player might fully be in love with the University of Cincinnati. But now the transfer portal has made it such that you can't bank on people not leaving if they get another opportunity. That's true. That's just the way it is. And I think people hate it, right? People are like, oh, this is going to kill college basketball. I like it. I, I hate that guys, that a coach can leave in the middle of the year yeah. and, yeah. And, and cling to free market capitalism, and yet we've got some player who doesn't make jack who can't leave without sitting out. Yeah, yeah, it's same. it's preposterous to me. Yeah, it's so same. So yeah, give them an option. Same. Let yeah. them let them make money off their name, image, and likeness. Give yeah. them options to transfer. Yeah. Open uh, up the market. Stop. Stop this stupid monopolistic way of treating coaches vastly different than you treat players. True. True. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that, man. Because it's like you said, like, and I always looked at this, like, if you, the kid goes to UC, he definitely had options at the end of the day. It's not like he's at, uh, I think at Fordham, that's an A-10 school. But I'm just saying in general, like, it's not like he's at the bottom of the barrel D1. Like, everybody knows UC is a top program in history, even if they're in the AAC, which the, um, people give them a lot of flack for, but that's, you know, they can't control that. But in general, it's still a top program. You see how fast, you know, Wes Miller has come here and planted his flag. And we'll, we'll get into that, man. We might be here for longer than I expected. Um, but <laughs> it's uh, like Marion, it's like marrying a pretty girl, yeah, right? Yep. She's going to have options. Don't have options. Exactly. She so if, have if, options. You, if you, you want to be with her, you have to be able to yeah. deal with that. She has options, right? You can't yeah. be a and jealous got, guy. And, and you've got to, and you've got to, <laughs> you've got to treat her right. And and yep. like a great recruit is like marrying a beautiful girl. Yep. Like you, it, you better be careful. Yeah. You she's gonna have, she's gonna have options. Yeah. Exactly. You, you know, you can be yourself, man, and you can take care of your stuff. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you better make sure that her needs are met a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, otherwise, there's some, there's some dude who works just down the hall. Yeah, and he's dr- he's just he's just, he's like just dreaming of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. hands. He's like, yep. she's he messed up yet? What has he done? That's right. You can tell me. And he can't wait. To, he can't wait to listen yeah. to her talk about her husband being a you know <laughs> he's such a jerk. He can't wait to have that conversation. And guess what? There's a lot of basketball coaches out there that can't wait to talk to some of these players about how weird of a guy their head coach is, <laughs> yeah, or yeah, how true. not fun he is, or how how he makes them run until they puke down their shirts. Like think about how easy it is to sell that player on transferring. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're uh, Will Wade at LSU and Tari Eason shows up on your doorstep and you're like, so wait, when you guys were doing what you're running sprints, puking and this guy's cheering, he's cheering. You're puking and he's cheering. cheering. Tell me about Prince. Prince, one of your players almost died last year and go to the hospital. What? What? Man, that's messed up. I would never treat you that way. Exactly. I've never Tari. Like, <laughs> Here in our program, we don't we don't puke down our chest. No, this isn't don't. a chest puking program. This exactly. is not a chest puking program. And then Will does this. Man, you Ben, Ben, what's going on? Hey man, I got Tari Easton in the office too. Did that ever make yeah, you puke on yourself like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. And when you're recruiting, it's sales. Like you're recruiting based upon whatever that person's thing is. Yeah, and, yeah. Hot the hot and, button. Yeah. And just like wooing a girl, they're gonna tr- they're gonna try to woo recruits away. So you yeah. got to be careful. For sure. For sure. Yeah, treat them right. Try treat them right, man. All right. So that's gonna be a perfect transition. Um, yeah. I've said this multiple times. I'm probably sound like a broken record, but Wes Miller has given me fickle vibes, right? Okay. So yeah, he hasn't coached a game yet here. So like, I know like, you know, he has to prove it when they, you know, get on the court, but like when, uh, you know, everybody wasn't like high on fickle when he first came here. I mean, now I think the, the guy's going to probably have a statue if he stay, keeps staying. Um, but, yes, I'll make sure of that. I will right? make sure of that. You gotta make that happen. Gotta make that happen. Yep. V Fox has gotta be on that. I'll yep. be I'll be right there with you. But um, 
Got to get him a statue. But um, it'll be situated within the Amy Fickle Gardens. Nice, nice, nice. So then we got that going on, right? But then, uh, where am I going with this? Yeah. So he gave me yeah. like when I first yeah. went to that press conference. And I saw Fickle and everybody was kind of like, I don't know if this is the right guy. I don't know this. And then when I first heard him talk, I was like, dude, I would probably tear my ACL for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, like, yeah. I was like, you know, like I was like, I would probably try to do a concussion. I mean, I know that's not a, that's a frowned upon thing, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I would do that. Like I could see how a kid would want to do this. Like, Hey, I would yeah. play with a bum shoulder. You know what I mean? Like, so when Wes starts talking, got- I was like, I was like, damn, it's deja vu. Like, I feel the same way. Like, I feel like, all right, I maybe only, I'm only good for a couple good plays, but I got you, Wes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you feel like that yeah. he can understand how to work the room. Everything that Brandon wasn't, I feel like Wes is, like, far as just like personable, know how to talk to people, wants to endear himself with the city, you know? So, like, um, like, what are your first impressions and how do you feel about the hire in general? Cause I know like you've been, you've been on the, the pitchfork on the, on the, on the Brandon side for a while, but I know like, yeah. you, I feel like I've seen you be a little bit warmer when it comes to Wes Miller. So. <laughs> I, I, so let's talk about Luke, coach Luke, handsome, handsome devil. He is uh, <laughs> when, when, when he was first hired, you know, that first year we were awful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just putrid. And yeah, we were. I just a terrible football team. We were, you know, four and eight or four yeah. and seven. Sounds about right. Whatever that was. And we, we really should only won one game. Definitely. Um, Definitely. And we were just a, a terrible team. And I remember going to those press conferences and listening to Luke. One thing I noticed about Luke, every press conference that first year, is he would when somebody would say things like, "How do we fix this?" or "How do we fix that?" There would be a like almost a smile because I think that he was very candid. He didn't know how to fix it immediately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And 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 he owned it, even though it really wasn't his problem. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I love that. I love that about him. He, he was never like, well, you know, we're real thin at the offensive line because, you know, because Coach Prunty kept uh, taking defensive line projects <laughs> and he was unable to develop them into starters. And so they just had to go somewhere. And so we just backfilled the offensive line with these guys. Right. No, he didn't say that. That yeah. may have been the case. Uh, may or may not yeah i would i would say that it was the case um he just said you know we i don't know but we my guy we gotta i gotta figure it out i gotta do a better job coaching i gotta you know i gotta do that coaches who own things to me that that's like the first you know most important thing so he owned everything and then you saw year two holy crap he completely turns it around yeah you know, because, you know, if you're spending your time blaming the prior administration rather than building what's in the future, it's kind of productive. So yeah. he got that just like first piece. And and I didn't start calling him handsome until he started winning <laughs> because he wasn't that good looking to me until he did. <laughs> um, I on all coaching hires, I'm agnostic at first. Yeah, you got to pr- you got to prove it to me. 
Um, I've heard, I've heard every, I feel like every coaching motto, um, I, you know, when coach Fick uh, unveiled his team together, everyone achieves more. That was literally my middle school track team's motto. Really? So when I heard it, I was like, this is so dumb. (laughs) <laughs> but you know what? It works. Definitely. It works, right? Who Definitely cares? Works. <laughs> um, Definitely works. And and so I I'm kind of like that on Wes. Here's what I I noticed. I noticed what you noticed at first too. He was immediately warm. He was immediately uh, direct. He was immediately. You could tell this guy can close. This yeah. guy can sell. Yep. And again. Coaching basketball is is not the world's most complex thing. Yeah. So there there's a learning curve, and I'm not saying it's like easy, but I am saying that like it's it's a little bit more straightforward than people like to make it out to be. For sure. And um, yeah, there's a reason that the same teams make it to the end of the NBA, you know, uh, playoffs every year. It's because they have the best players. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, a coach can a coach can marginally improve the output of a you know NBA franchise, but like a even the best coach like Phil Jackson couldn't take um, just a paltry roster and make him a yeah. an NBA competitor. Yeah, sure. sure. That's how the game of basketball is, and so a lot of the game of basketball, particularly the college game of basketball is about sales. Can you sell? And now the sales is even more important because it's twofold. Can you get a guy to come play basketball at the university of Cincinnati? And then once he's here, can you treat him right? Can you retain the guy, right? It's both recruiting and retention. Yeah. So you've got to sell them to get there and then you've got to sell them to stick there. Yeah. And, that guy, Wes, he seems like he can sell. Yeah. There's something about him, his delivery, his affect, the way he interacts, the way he speaks, the way he lights up when he does talk about the sport of basketball. I get the sense that he actually enjoys life as a basketball coach. Yeah. I didn't get that from the prior basketball coach. He seemed miserable all the time, mm-hmm. like, like he was a dock worker. And it's like, dude, you're coaching a basketball team. Yeah, you get paid millions of dollars to coach a basketball team. True. Lighten up, smile, yeah. have fun. True. But true. Wes, Wes, I think he has that. Um, and then you know he's he's building a roster, man. He, he we have a team to play. Yeah, we got we got five. We got a whole team now. We, we got team, man. five guys we can trot out there at yeah. the start of it, and but but a little bit yeah. more than a month. He got like a, a actually a whole basketball team. He came here with five guys, literally, not the yeah. not the, the burger place. Five yeah. guys on the roster under scholarship. Yeah, yeah. And he added two four star recruits to our number, right? Yeah, yeah. And in in uh. uh Abdul Adu, 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 Adu. I'm never going to say that well. Adu, Adu, yeah, Adu, Adu. Yeah, and yeah. Jared Hensley. Yeah. So, so in both of those guys, he's added, you know, four-star recruits. He's added yeah. three stars in Odie uh, and John Newman. Yeah. Um, you know, he's added uh, some other guys, you know, the Hayden Kovals and, uh, and, and the uh, – AJ McGinnis's. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how they're going to turn out. 
Yeah. But but he's filled the roster, and yeah. there's some there's there's some depth. I think there's some project guys. And look, you know who else had project guys? Mick. Yeah. Mick was famous for recruiting guys who maybe didn't you know jump off the page, but who over time he developed. Yeah. Definitely. Player development is is key, and so you know. I look at our roster right now. We've got um, four four-star recruits and five three-star recruits. Yeah, that's that's com- that's enough to compete in the American Athletic Conference yeah, for sure. Um, and and so you know his style of play, from what I've gathered, is um, you know he's 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 a defensive guy. Deep emphasis yeah. on defense first. He does half-court man. Um, you know they they get out in transition opportunistically and, and then on off made baskets, it's a one, two, two uh, press. And I don't know. I I think, I think that kind of style of play is going to be helpful because we've got, we, we do have a roster of guys that can fly. Yeah. We got a really quick, quick quick feeded roster. That's why I didn't understand why we suck so bad at defense last year. Yeah. It's like, it's like, man, we have guys that are so like Mikey is is electric. He is he is electric. electric he is NASCAR. Man. He is NASCAR on the court. Yep. David DeJulius, he is he is NASCAR on the court. Yeah. These guys can fly. Yeah. And if you've got quick feet and and you care, yeah. you can play good defense. Ah, That's sure. about it. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. That's all you need. And then like why why would we they would wait until you're down double digits to run a press. When you got these yes. guys, like, you know, it's like, oh, we're down 15. Let's run a press. How about we run a press until the game starts? Yeah. Right? You yeah. Got these- it, it almost makes you wonder why why Coach Winsprint made uh, all the kids run wind sprints if he wasn't going to use a press. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things that make you say, hmm, right? So- Indeed. <laughs> like that's, it didn't make any sense. It's like, oh, we're down 18. Let's run a press. Now they're back in the game. It's like, <laughs> well, maybe they should have ran the press as soon as the game started, you know? And I always, I mean, I did write about that last year. I was like, hey, they got to play smaller if they want to have a chance. Yeah, that was the that's only hope. Only, that was the only hope. Can't have two slow-feeded guys out there. I mean, no disrespect to those guys. I mean, it's not their problem or not their fault. You know what I mean? Everybody has limitations. Yeah. Some people can't shoot. Some people aren't quick of foot, you know, but you can't. The pick and roll is a prevalent part of today's basketball. If you can't do the switches, then you got to be able to have schemes where you can get through that screen where you're showing um, and not getting caught on it. But pick and roll is definitely a heck of a thing, and we weren't prepared for it last year, oh, especially with we certain were. lineups. So yeah, well, um, and, and and the addition of Odie and Adu, Odie and Adu, yeah, um, the addition of both of those guys. It's really going to help our front line um, because I, I don't know. You know, I just don't know how Hayden Koval, I mean, his journey is central Arkansas to UNC Greensboro. I don't know what he's going to, how he's going to do at the next level. I know that if you look at his stats, you know, last year at UNCG, he, he was like seven points a game. I think the previous two seasons, he was like 12 points a game. Yeah. 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 So he does have scoring tendencies. But we'll see. Yeah, I think what's what's fun about um, the roster that's assembled, and and what's fun about college basketball, is sometimes players blossom at 
weird times and and sometimes yeah. in unexpected ways yeah, jeremiah davenport is like such a great example of that yeah you know he had an offer to play where virginia tech and a few other places that weren't that noteworthy yeah he wasn't heavily heavily recruited you know he was a three-star but i mean who's a more clutch player than that guy on that roster yeah right I mean, yeah and once he oh yeah and once he got that corner three game going yeah I mean, it was like automatic so yeah. knowing that he has that and he has just he can't, it's it's one of those weird things like some players carry themselves differently yeah um Same. and he's has that yeah he has that it factor for some reason like you just feel like he because he, he has that confidence for like hey i can do this anyway you might yep. not think he can he knows he can he's putting in the work I mean, just think about the jump you made from freshman to sophomore year. And he was hurt during most of the, you know, offseason. And yep. with all this yep. stuff going on, like, just imagine he still made that heck of a jump. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, and he came out of nowhere because he was rehabbing a knee injury. The closest guy on the, on the new reconstituted roster is John Newman. Yeah. Who, you know, John Newman only averaged five points a game at Clemson, but – he was also rehabbing a knee last season. Yeah. So he could have a breakout year. He's, yeah. he, he certainly seems like the kind of guy who can score. Um, yeah. You know, Mason Madsen under a new system. He was a guy who averaged 20 points in high school. Yeah. Uh, the Julius only averaged nine points a game for us. But, you know, he, he was a prolific scorer in high school. He yeah. hit like 26 points a game. And then he would – I remember reading he had like a 49-point game. You you don't score forty nine point forty nine points in a high school basketball game unless you can score you know yeah, unless sure. unless you know you don't just get hot and hit for forty nine no not for right? forty nine not forty nine <laughs> yeah. yeah not forty nine yeah. nineteen yeah 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 yeah, yeah you can get hot and hit for nineteen <laughs> right but yeah he you don't average twenty six and then have some high water marks of forty nine points a game yeah unless it's in there now. Can we get it out of them? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's but I think, I think Wes, that's what Wes's task. That's the task before him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I, and he'll, he'll get uh, what John Brandon got from me, which was, you know, silence and evaluation early on. And then yeah. if he starts winning, I'm going to uh, welcome, I'll probably welcome him on the team handsome before, see if I can't get some energy going for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see, we'll see what he does with that roster and, and how creative he is. And then we'll see what it's like if he can read a, a living room, a family room, and start closing some recruits. Yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah. Cause he's going to have, I mean, no matter portal or not, I mean, he's got a few seniors, right? I mean, what? Koval, I mean, and Adu will definitely be gone. Um, you know, DeJulius is a senior, right? Unless, you know, he might have another year because of COVID possibly. I don't know how that's going to work, but, you know, he could have another year. But, you know, Adu and, and uh, Koval are gone, so he's going to have to at least fill two holes for sure next year. Yep. So, I mean, hopefully he's not, you know, at the end of the year and there's nobody – you know, yeah. in the wings, but this guy is definitely proven he can get people in the, um, give them scholarships. So, uh, I, I, yeah. I'm not too worried about that part. We just want to see how he wins now because, uh, mm -hmm. 
definitely was given the the program something to be excited about because it was very dreary and it seems like it was longer than a month that or you know a little over a month longer than that seems longer than that than you know that the this big cloud was hanging over the the actual program you know you see all these people in the in the portal they leave and then you see people in the portal that they can't even touch because people are like "Ah, i'm not going here why would i come here right so and it's i don't know so you 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 have i think rightly landed on something that i i couldn't figure out which is why is there a cloud hanging over this program i'll tell you i felt it from day one like that first season I remember just feeling like, man, I'm, I feel so disengaged from the program. Mm. And it, it, I don't know how much of it was attributable to, to John kind of uh, handing off some creepy vibes. Yeah. Um, or how much of it's kind of the post Mick hangover. Like I can't, you know, yeah. it, that whole thing was like, oh man, I, you know, Mick yeah. was, Mick was a he was an enigma I mean, we didn't know what to do with him and and I think in hindsight we didn't know how how fortunate we were to have somebody who no matter what you just knew he was going to get the most out of his players yeah and and we were going to win definitely. you know 20 some odd games and make the tournament took that for granted yeah. we definitely took that oh as yeah for as a you know program for granted for sure yep. they, yeah uh, so that the, first my first year was like a hangover from that. Yeah. And then you had COVID hit late in the second year, which I was my biggest concern when, uh, or I'm sorry, COVID hit that first year. Yeah. That yeah. second year, my biggest concern was that COVID was going to excuse what I saw as basketball malpractice. So, yes, interesting. I'm glad you touched that because I personally – thought it was no way we would be here because of COVID. I was like, they're not mm-hmm. going to do it. I mean, just in general, like no matter how you feel about the season, them getting blasted by Houston by 70,000 points, you know, yep. two times. Right. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you, you just thought like, man, it's not going to happen. COVID is the excuse. I mean, what can you say at the end of the day? I mean, you can say, Hey, they're high and behind it, but at the end of the day it was a pandemic. So it was like, what can you do, right? But you thought they always had that that wild card where he's like, "Hey man, it's gonna hide behind COVID and it's gonna be there." Because like that's why even when I started hearing certain stuff until I heard it was like it just kept hearing the same story. You're like, "Uh oh, okay, it's, this is real, realer than I expected." You know, you hear it the first time, you're like, "Okay, this is real." Is it just one person or some person feels this way, or is it multiple people? Um, but you're like, "Man, they can hide behind COVID." And what can people do? You know, so being a realist, I'm like, man, you don't, they don't have money just to fire this guy without, you know, just to be able to pay him off and get him out of your, you know, out of their hairs. Um, so I was like, man, we got to deal with it, I guess, and push on, right? Um, probably wasn't the right outlook to look at it that way, but I'm like, hey, he's probably going to be here next year. And I was telling people that, like, he probably shouldn't, but he probably will. But, you know, John I was really place. surprised. I think everybody who was in the know and paying attention didn't think the university was going to fire him. Yep. I mean, I, I, that was that 
I was really surprised when Zach Harvey left in February. I was like, man, I'm so pissed right now. (laughs) And I I want him gone. Yeah. But but on the, on the other hand, on the one hand, I wanted him gone so bad after that. (laughs) And then after DDJ's opt out, I'm like, Oh, this is so obvious. Yeah. 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 And, and so that, I mean, I felt that big time, but I was like, it won't matter. There's no way we're going to, with COVID, there's no way they're going to move on from this guy. Yeah, I say the same because that's the that is the great excuse. And and why do you put you know put the the money at risk of a buyout? Yeah. And you you never know if you get if you can't get it. Uh, what if the replacement is worse? You know that yeah, that, that whole thing that you think. Um. So true. it true. that that's another that's another tip of the hat to John Cunningham who. Yeah. Man, that was a bold decision to fire him. Definitely. And a bold and a bold decision to get out and hire a guy in West that yeah. nobody was talking about. Yeah, he wasn't a part of the initial reviews. You know what I mean? So but yep. uh yeah, because it was like kind of the make effect, man. I'll call it the make effect now. <laughs> Where like, you know, people were hungry for more. Like, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I was one of the people that, you know, I wanted a deeper run as a fan. You know what I mean? As covering a team, it is what it is, you know. But like as a fan, you're like, hey, I want them to make this deeper run. This second weekend, a couple times, not even like every year, but once every five years, it'd be nice. Or if you do a little bit more, uh, especially seeing Xavier making runs occasionally here and there where they look like legit threats. You're like, man, we just as good or better, you know? So it's like, yeah. So then you kind of get tensed up about that. But at the end of the day, like he never compromised the, the program. Like you never heard any backdoor stuff where Mick was doing this doing that you know this this team is compromised by this you know if Mick didn't didn't like you he would say it to your face he didn't hold any punches you know what I mean so whatever but um never compromised the program where a lot of people um probably should give him his flowers for that for sure and you get somebody that turns this story program around within 720 what 730 right within two years I mean, they, they fall off grace where people are saying like, it's one, you know, not a good program, et cetera, et cetera, because this guy is kind of just run it down. And kind of, he did run it down where they weren't, you know, <laughs> yeah, where, where they were. So, um, yeah, everybody gave him kudos for that first season. And it's like, man, we weren't going to make the NCAA tournament if we didn't win the AAC championship. Yeah, I was- so yeah, yeah. not the regular season, but the conference tournament. It was like yeah. that's the only way we were getting into into yeah, play tournament. We were so, not a good, so. we were not a good team. So we went from yeah. making the tournament for how many consecutive years to missing both years under his watch. Yeah, for sure. He's so not exactly. good. Not good at all. So you're right. You know, with the talent in that first year, man, it definitely shouldn't have been twenty. Uh, just eight twenty win team. For sure, they yep. played the whole season. Um, so that was something that we kind of overlooked. We just like, hey, they got hot at the end, kind of got happy. I mean, I know I, I'm I'm speaking from my you know perspective. They got hot at the end, hey, we roll with it first year, but at the same time, it was a lot of red flags that year that we kind of all all the media didn't kind of over you know glossed over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. even um the 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 head button between him and Jaron, we we kind of everybody he painted a picture that you know. Etc. that Jaron was the one hard one to work with, you know, per se, besides us looking at, you know, the coach. 
where I think mm-hmm. we probably all were wrong. But, you know, Jaron in general, he was a guy that, you know, he wasn't a person just going to overly, t- you know, talk and scream about it. You know, he just handled his business. So, you know, it's kudos, kudos to, you know, Justin to get him to talk, man. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Because yeah. I, I even told him, like, hey, man, everybody owes you an apology, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Bearcat Nation owes them an apology. Because, you know, they, they oh, pay yeah. him as a bad guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, hey, oh, you apology. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I just think now, you know, at in March, this, this program was looking very dull. Just think about it. They lost to Houston. They lost all these players with, within 72 hours of losing to Houston. So we went from, okay, these freshmen probably can take them to the next level if they get a couple big guys to, dang, they don't even have anybody right, right now. Who else is going to leave? to boom the reports start coming out about you know john brandon and what he was doing to bam we got west now they actually have hope to be a top i would think right now you know they have they got a jail but i mean i think they could be a top four team at least in the aac and see what else happens you know um you know the roster probably isn't i mean it's full but you never know something could happen um but now they have hope man they, you know they could play have a chance so that's, that's yeah. half the battle man half the battle yeah just putting good players on the court and you know let's see how these guys gel together let's see you know who surprises us by blossoming as a scorer yeah and maybe did didn't score at their previous stops you know yeah. maybe uh it, it, it i could be wrong but i think it's harder to score at clemson than it is to score at the university of cincinnati i think you're too. playing you're playing against Duke defenses and Syracuse defenses. North Carolina. Yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. Day yeah. in and day out. So it's a different, it's a different, different thing. And, yeah. and yeah. So there's, there's a lot of like question marks and a lot of room for guys to surprise us. And then, you know, he, uh, John Cunningham, who went out of his way to try to retain some of these guys. Yeah. By the way. For sure. Um, and, and Wes, they kept them. And that's yep. awesome. So that we awesome. still got we, – we kept that kind of nucleus of guys um, who we know what they are, you know, TDJ and Mikey and um, Mikey Ad- Mike Adams-Wood, Mason. Yeah. Like we've got those guys and we can, you know, see if any of them make any leaps. Uh, but if not, they were sol- all of them were solid contributors. Exactly. Last season. Yeah, it can't. Um, do not we get yeah. better? I would think, or at least stay stable at worst case right. scenario. You had a better, I would think, I mean, just being, not trying to be funny, but the working environment for these young men is probably going to, is about to improve. Right? You would think, <laughs> you right? Would yeah. Think, right. I don't think we could go from what happened to another type of situation that way. I was, I, I'm pretty sure Wes is reading the room on that. Um, yeah. You know, so you go to a better work environment. Of course, they're going to have to work hard. Of course, we know that. Nobody is saying that they, they're not, no matter what. You don't get to this point without being able to work hard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless you're just this five-star kid that's just naturally gifted, but you still got still got to work somewhat to get there. But, you know, th- these young men have to work hard. That's what happens. So you got a coach that's going to push them, but not, you know, overly push them. They're going to have to earn their respect. But at the same time, they're just, I think they're just in a better working environment that's going to breed better results. Yep. Yep. Yeah. When you're enthusiastic about what you do, it's easier to be successful. Yeah. And 
um, it's, I would think it'll be far easier to be enthusiastic about playing for a fun program, fun coach like Wes. Um, I just think that's going to help. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. OB man, that's all I got for you today. I appreciate you being a little long, but I appreciate you. And uh, let everybody know if where they can find your work at, man, your, your Bearcats work and any other thing you want to plug. Yeah, most of the pictures I paint are on Twitter.com. Follow me <laughs> at, at Bearcats Radio. Uh, and on occasion, I've posted articles at BearcatsSportsRadio.com, but that'll be more frequent here uh, in the coming days. So, um, yeah, so that, and we're on Instagram. We uh, take, take photos and post <laughs> them. And we're, we're on the book of faces. We're on Facebook, but it's a sewer. So I, I don't even recommend you go there. <laughs> All right. All right. Bearcat Nation. Y'all know where to go. Check, check it out, man. B Fox is, is a good dude. He, uh, he'll definitely call, he won't hold any punches. So if you're not uh scared to hear his reality of what he feels, then you, I wouldn't advise you not to follow, but Everybody can't always give you the, the pretty picture, man. Sometimes they give you the ugly picture, get down in the mud sometimes. And that's what B Fox does. I'll give him that, man. He he gave us the picture. He painted the picture early, and we just couldn't see it at the time. So nobody um, nobody wanted to see it. Nobody, nobody wanted to see it. I, I hey. didn't want I didn't want like I said, I sold everybody. I had most people telling me, man, I legitimately just thought about the positives. I'm like, man, you got Tari Eason, you got you got Zach Harvey. That's before, you know, he put himself in the portal. I'm like, you got these two guys. You got foundational kids. Just give me a big man that can rebound, and we should be good. I mean, I think I could coach those guys personally. Personally. Yeah. I mean, I think I can go in there and we can win, like, we can win 20 games. We can have a chance to be on a bubble, even without me being pure X's and O's. I can get us there. We have, like, three offenses couple extra things off of it and about three know how to play against the zone god know how to play some playing against their whole life but then yeah play a couple defenses man that's all you gotta do know how to play man uh amoeba two three full court press that's all you need really for real. yes that's yes it. i agree amoeba two three man just get your syracuse on play it up front play a little bit longer that's yep. it switch out yep. some screens you know but yeah but you guys yeah make sure you guys check out b fox man good dude follow him uh hit him up in twitter man that's where you're gonna get all the good interactions with him so hit him up on twitter and it's gonna work out so i'm jt smith and i'm signing off on this podcast make sure you guys share it, guys.